Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. Greetings. This is Hugh Ballou, founder and president of Center Vision Leadership Foundation, where synergy that the leaders create with their vision makes the difference. Nothing happens without leadership. And today, we have lots of topics that leaders need to know about, but we're just going down to the roots. What is leadership? And our our guest today, Anthony and I both um, are, are people of Christian faith, and we are, we're informed by, well, the Jewish part of our Bible that we share with, with that, the Old Testament and the others, but there's really good examples. And whether you're a person of faith or not, there's still some really good examples that we can learn from that. So I want to first ask Anthony just to tell us a little bit about who he is and what's your passion for leadership. So Anthony, tell people who you are, about your background, and why you do this. Well, thank you, Hugh. First and foremost, hello to all of you who are live, and thank you so very much for having me on this, this wonderful, wonderful platform, sharing with so many wonderful leaders about leadership. My name is Anthony A. Dix Jr. and I serve as the Senior Leadership Consultant for 180 Management Group. And I help leaders overcome their unique leadership challenges so that they can really focus on what they love. I believe that leadership is everything as you've already articulated, you know, every. John Maxwell says everything rises and falls on leadership. Leadership has a significant amount of impact on organizations, on culture, and on our day-to-day lives. And I have found as I've been on this journey of being a student of leadership that often leaders and organizations are more intentional about growing their organizations than they are growing themselves. I believe that leaders don't grow by accident, that they must be engineered. And so my approach to leadership is to help engineer leaders so that they can actually become the person they want to be in order to build a future that they want to see. Love it. Love it. John Maxwell also talks about the law of the lid. Yes. Our organization cannot develop any further than our ability. And if you remember Jim Rohn, he used to say, work on yourself harder then you work on your business. Now, mm-hmm. leadership is generic. It doesn't matter if you're leading in a faith organization or a community nonprofit or a business. It's really leadership is leadership is leadership, yep. isn't it? Yep. Leadership so, is leadership is leadership every day of the week and twice on Sunday. <laughs> yes, you got it. It's like, that's my quote for fried chicken every day. <laughs> I'm a Southerner, come on. Um, so, um, what Hugh Ballou says is the most important things about leadership are the things we don't know we don't know. What mm. do you think of that one? Mm. That is profound, actually. Um, if I'm not mistaken, if my memory uh, is correct, that's actually meta-knowledge, knowing what you don't know. And a part of leadership, of course, one of the virtues of leadership is humility. And it's hard to be humble when you think you know everything. But when you know that you don't know everything, you can uh, accommodate some of your leadership blind spots by getting help in those areas and maintaining perennially the posture of a student, knowing that I don't know. There's so much that I don't know. I was sharing with someone the other day that when it comes to leadership, and it's especially in, in my career, 
with equipping leaders, the more you learn about people, the more you learn that you don't know about them. And it's a continuous learning process that requires a posture that says, I don't know everything. So I not only need to know what I know, I need to be aware of what I don't know. And we have watching on this podcast, people from Sweden and from Scotland. And I see somebody from uh, Africa, from Uganda on the podcast. And, you know, commonly we'll have people from multiple nations and time zones on, on our community events for the Center Vision community. And we're united by our passion for making things better for others. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so people are here to learn and grow their skills. So what do you see? in any sector, what do you see is the common deficit that leaders have? What do they all do the worst, the most often? Hmm. What do they all do the worst, most often? I think that leaders have a tendency to be so passionate and so focused that they get tunnel vision. Ah, uh, so... And so, as you, as you know, I mean, a part of the organization that you founded and served has vision in the name. So you know about the power of vision. And there is a requirement for leaders to be focused. But that focus is really about not being distracted. That is not about not being able to see multiple things at once. And so the, the judgment of the leader being able to see things in their periphery is important. And often leaders, because we're so vision driven, we can get so focused on what we wanna see that we either don't see or discount other things that have implications on how we want the world to become because of our vision. Yes, oh, that's brilliant. You know, sometimes we tend to roll over. Now, because I teach this stuff doesn't make me exempt from these problems. <laughs> you and I both. <laughs> That's why I have a leadership coach and she's in her late eighties. So it's important that people reach outside of their comfort zone and have somebody they pay mm -hmm. to be accountable to. So that's why people need Anthony A. Dix to uh, talk to them. So you mentioned um, there are ways in the market that marketplace professionals can develop skills that are 10 times better. Now, people of faith, people of community organizations, people in business. So what is this 10 times better and how do people get there? Well, there is, um, of course, as people of faith, we, we reach our goals, outcomes, dreams by pursuing a, a biblical worldview for people of our particular faith tradition. And, and so in the scriptures, there's the story of Daniel and Daniel is where we get the phrase 10 times better. That is a biblical, a biblical uh, phrase that refers to Daniel when they were in Babylon. <clears throat> so Babylon, of course, is, is a foreign place to, to Daniel, and he's a part of, a, of the staff for Nebuchadnezzar, who is the king. So he's not in a place that necessarily agrees with his faith tradition, but he is required to perform there. And there are many professionals who work in contexts that may or may not agree with their particular worldview. And so what Daniel did was he decided to take a particular diet. He said that he did not want to eat any of the king's meat. And so how he governed his appetite opened him up to other virtues and attributes that made him 10 times better than his peers. So this is, this is I think, one of the great secrets 
of, of really becoming a, a person of, of renown in the professional space is not so much what you do that makes you 10 times better. But as in the case of Daniel, it's what you choose not to do that can make you 10 times better. Uh, and as the story unfolds, it says that David got wisdom and understanding about the natural things of the world, the sciences and wisdom because of the choices that he made not to do certain things uh, that others were, were comfortable doing. I want to point out to the people watching and listening that um, Anthony just doesn't run on with stuff. Did you notice how he paused and let us grasp that effect? So as leaders, we're, we're people of influence. And if we're, we're, we're influencing other people. So you gave, you just demonstrated one really powerful leadership trait, and that is presentation skill. You pause. Hmm, <laughs> that was important. You know, in me, I'm a conductor by trade. Is this resting music for impact, not just wow. silence? This is rest. Wow. So we, as uh, as leaders, are presenting and influencing others all the time. Mm -hmm. That you know, there are so many stories of throughout. Uh, we're talking about the Old Testament, some of the struggles of the peoples, that the history of of, of humankind that's recorded there. Mm -hmm. You know. There were people who weren't perfect. Oh yeah, <laughs> that were called. They were called to a specific purpose, and so I think one of the flaws I see is people want to be perfect, and mm -hmm. therefore we have this perfection paralysis. We don't get anything done. Mm -hmm. that, and that's really challenging because many of our professional systems, though we may tout that you should take risk and you shouldn't be afraid to fail we don't have within those systems a reward mechanism for failure. Like nobody rewards you for failing, right? But failing is often the precursor to some other type of creation, innovation, and success. And those things are what we really reward. We reward the outcome of failure, but not the process of failure. And because we reward the outcome of failure, not the process, people try to skirt around it to say, you know what, maybe I can get these outcomes without the experimentation, the trial and error, the, the, the failing that's necessary to get it done. And that creates a, a, a tendency for us to really wanna be perfectionists, which we fail at, <laughs> strangely enough. But um, th that I think is a part of the conundrum and balance of trying to be an effective leader. Like how do I maintain successful outcomes, minimize my failures, but all, all the while reward those that follow me for taking those risks and failing as well. And I'm remembering you mentioned John Maxwell. He has a book called Failing Forward. Mm -hmm. Yes, and he does. I think we, if we can reclassify failures as learning opportunities, mm -hmm. we could be as a leader, how do we nurture the learning. I mean, people can learn from those. How do you suggest that leaders nurture those in their network to, to use those as learning opportunities? I think they do. I think leaders should do what you just did. You recast the term, right? You recast the term failure to learning opportunity. One of the greatest purveyors of culture is language. 
If you want to know anything about a culture, look at how they talk about things, look at how they speak about things, and you can create an environment that rewards learning opportunities by calling them learning opportunities as opposed to failure, and then giving people grace for, for making those attempts, for making taking those risks in order to find out new avenues for getting things done in order to create new initiatives or new efficiencies. Leaders have extreme power. I say this, um, and I can't do what you did. You spoke about yourself in the third person. I have never tried that before. You said Hubert Lou says. I've never tried to say Anthony Dick says. So maybe I'll try that now. Anthony Dick says the, that the leader's most powerful asset is not their vision. It's their voice. Our words create worlds. You can't cast vision without using your voice. And so if you use your voice to create language, that language can create an environment that gives people the freedom to try things, to fail forward, or to create learning opportunity. You can do a lot with language. Yeah, and there's a lot of good sound bites in this, but you know, um, one thing that I'm sure people have noticed is a very, and being a musician, I highlight this, of course, one, very underutilized leadership skills, which you just demonstrated, listening. Hmm. And hmm. listening with intent, active listening. And so we do influence people and we can't change anybody else, but we can do is change ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so um, I'm just pointing out some of the, you know, you show up as a as a, an effective, influential leader. And I'm sure people that work with you notice that and learn from that. So it's not just what you say that matters. Mm -hmm. It's who mm -hmm. you are. Mm -hmm. There's another author I quote a lot, James Allen, as a man thinketh. And, and oh, yeah. He, yeah, he says, you don't attract what you need. You attract what you are. you are. That's what he says. That's what he says. And that's extremely important because leadership is more about being than it is doing. I, I really believe that leadership is, is doing born out of being that you, you can't consistently act outside of who you believe yourself to be. So what's important for a leader to focus on, to maintain a, an awareness of, is who am I becoming in the process? As I try to ascend to greater levels of influence, who will I be when I get there, right? What type of person will I be when I get there? Uh, and really, gaining the character to consistently exhibit certain behaviors and activities. That's really one of the essences of strong leadership. You're just a good person. Wow. Wow. We got a lot of sound bites today, people. So uh, you don't have to take notes. We'll have them on the, on the platform on the web at the nonprofitexchange.org. You can see this episode and others, but Go back and listen. There's just a lot of takeaways. I like to, to encourage people to use what I what I teach, and there's a lot of usable stuff here. So we're talking about kingdom professionals. We just did point out that we are people of Christian faith, but there's people in leading in, in synagogues, other mm -hmm. faiths. There are people who are people of faith that aren't in a religious organization that are actually fulfilling a calling. So, so what are some of the characteristics and behaviors? that kingdom prof uh, professionals exhibit? Kingdom professionals, one of the behaviors that they exhibit is a profound leaning towards serving others, serving others. 
I believe it was Dr. Martin Luther King that said anybody can serve. And we may not be able to do all the things that others do, but any human being can serve. I believe that leadership is the responsibility to serve others in such a way that you protect and promote everybody else's flourishing. To me, leadership is not leadership if it's self-serving. So one of the things that leaders exhibit is serving others, to put one's needs before their own, to see how I can only win if you are winning, to see how it is we can create win-win situations as we leave others. It is not just my vision. It is a vision that is going to be um, beneficial to all of us. So number one is, is service. Uh, if I could name another one, uh, I, would, I would name a few of them. Uh, one is, another one is empathy. Empathy. Uh, and also compassion, which probably are closely, are closely related. But when it comes to empathy, I may not have experienced what you've experienced, but I can take a step back to try to put myself in your shoes. Even if I can't do it succinctly and effectively fit the, your shoes in your particular situation, I think it's noble to at least try. Leaders can sometimes be so caught up in trying to get other people to see what they see that they never take time to see what they see. I'll say that again. Leaders can often get so caught up in trying to get others to see what they see that they never take time to see what others see. When you begin as a leader to see what your followers see, I think that's where the real synergy is. I was on a, on a, we have this nonprofit community and I was, uh, some of our nonprofit leaders uh, also have businesses or have had businesses. And one of the leaders said, you know, I had had many businesses and I sold them every year, the first of the year. And then I bought it back. And then I said, is it worth buying back? And then I asked my employees, what's wrong with it? What do we fix this year? Mm, mm. And I think we forget, we write smart goals, but if we write smarter goals, it means we evaluate and revise. So um, I think you just demonstrated a, a place where leaders are not listening. What do others have to say? So what this leader did was tell me in a very mm -hmm. non-critical, we tend to be living in a critical environment rather than an analytical environment. Mm -hmm. People are afraid to get, afraid to get blamed. It's mm -hmm. like between restorative, restorative justice, justice and, and retributive justice. Yep. Retributive, yeah. So and, and you quoted Martin Luther King, I had the advantage of being in the streets and hearing him in person in 63, 64. And um, he, let's talk about principles a minute. He had very strong principles and he really didn't assassinate people's character. He was analytical. He said, mm -hmm. what's wrong with this picture? Mm -hmm. What's wrong with your language? But he, he was, his principle was always remain nonviolent mm -hmm. and to speak the truth directly and you know i didn't realize till years later what a strong impact that had on my, wow. my leadership and you wow. know nobody been like that ever he was a standalone and look what powerful influence he had just for having those principles mm -hmm. so um that was a strong impact on my life what martin luther king john maxwell what other leaders have influenced your leadership learning wow um well of course as a as a person of christian faith much of my leadership is influenced by 
by Jesus of Nazareth. My father um, is another person who has influenced my leadership tremendously and several other ecclesial leaders like my, my pastor has. My wife has also influenced my, my leadership. Many of my, um, before I was in my own business, many of the people who led me professionally were female. And they, they taught me a, a lot about, about leadership, mainly patience, different ways in which conflict can be resolved without um, being overtly antagonistic, uh, nurturing ways in which to bring about feedback, constructive feedback. I mean, they, it's so much when it, comes, when it comes to leadership and having those type of leaders in my life created an aspect or really, a, I would, maybe it's even a paradigm to see leadership through a virtuous lens. I've had the opportunity to have some training, some theological education, and there are virtues that we talk about in philosophy and a little bit in theology, the seven of them, the cardinal virtues and three theological virtues, and what people of faith have the opportunity to show the world is how to embody temperance, how to embody courage, how to embody justice, how to embody wisdom, faith, hope, and love. And I think people who are leading in the marketplace from a biblical worldview or kingdom perspective embody those values and virtues and bring them to life in their leadership. And I've had the fortunate opportunity to see several people do that for me. You know, those are attributes that many of our Christian churches need to study. <laughs> so it's really interesting. I, I, one of the thought leaders I read is Richard Rohr, who's a Franciscan, R-O-H-R. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. he, he quotes Martin Luther King and Gandhi, but he also quotes Buddha, Muhammad, Jesus. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, there are some universal truths that are so important that mm -hmm. we most of, you know, there's parts from our learning that's outside of our discipline that we yes. need to learn for some others. And there are some universal truths. So uh, um, thank you for the, the gift of some of these, these thoughts. The, um, why are these professionals, what you're calling kingdom professionals, why are they assets to their organizations and especially the, the nonprofit space? They are assets to their organization, number one, because of the atmospheres they create. They create atmospheres of collaboration as opposed to competition, conflict, and contention. They're just easier to work with. They're easier to work for. Secondly, they bring to the table a certain kind of creativity that is advantageous, not only for the chemistry amongst the teams that they work on, but for the strategic and operational outcomes that their particular organization wants to achieve. They bring an attitude of what's possible. How can we make this possible? They, they bring to the table an attitude that looks at impossibilities as opportunities to innovate, create, stretch themselves, move beyond their limits. They're just a myriad of different um, ways in which they provide value to their organizations. And they are really an asset because of the atmospheres they create, 
They're great collaborators. They are creative. They are optimistic. And they walk the walk. They don't just talk it. They walk the walk. They are assets because of who they are, not just because of what they do. I've heard the saying, the sermon you preach with your life is much louder than one you preach with your with your voice. Mm-hmm. That's that's a testament to that. So yes, people, sir. we're coming up to the end of this, really, and we could talk all day. But, you know, I want people to seek you out. So um, I want them to find you so they can go to 180. That's, that's number 180. Yes. 80 management i'm trying to see my screen 180 managementgroup.com 180 managementgroup.com so anthony when people go there what will they find they're going to find some information about what it is that we do as an organization that is a management consulting firm that specializes in operations consulting uh, out of a three-pronged framework people processes and planning my responsibility is to help organizations do the best for their people and get the most out of them. We offer contracting, consulting, and coaching. You'll see a little bit of information about me at the bottom. You'll see a little bit of information about our CEO. That's our beautiful CEO right there, who is also my wonderful wife. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you schedule a call, if you click that link, then there are ways in which you can uh, schedule some time to talk to either my wife or myself, if you'd like to, I'd love the opportunity to connect with anyone just to hear what your story is. And if there's a way in which we can serve you, I'd love to also hear about that as well. You dressed up pretty good for that picture. Man. <laughs> I, I did that time. <laughs> so Anthony Dix, Anthony A. Dix Jr. Yes. Just the profound presence you have. And, you know, a lot of the stuff you have is, is really stuff we need to think about today. So I'm going to, I'm going to invite people to our community. Then I'll come back to you for a, a closing thought or a challenge or a word from you. So I mentioned before that Center Vision has a community of nonprofit leaders. We're building communities where we live and it's, um, it's nonprofitcommunity.org, O-R-G. So it's a nonprofit community. It's a peer-to-peer community where we share ideas and we share, we share passions. We, we get help from others, not even in our neighborhood. So there's a free level. So if you go to nonprofitcommunity.org, you can join that free community. There's chats, there's forums, there's place you can post your pictures and your stories. You can do articles. So join us there. Then if you uh, elect, you can ask us to join the the, the um, influencer level. And it's a few dollars a month, but it unlocks a whole lot of content for you to learn and continue to grow your skills. And this episode of the Nonprofit Exchange is posted in the community for you to continue your learning like other things, nonprofitcommunity.org. And Anthony Dix, you've been such a such a refreshing blessing today to give, give us uh, some things that we might have known a little bit about, but it's a new perspective and a, a new challenge to think differently. So what do you want to leave people with? If I could leave people with anything, I'd leave them with this. So much of what we do on a day-to-day basis focuses on being first or being fast. I want to challenge you in the midst of a culture, a professionalism, a business culture, a marketplace culture that's trying to get you to move fast so that you can be first. I want to challenge you as a leader to focus on flourishing. Don't move so fast and be so hard up to be first that you inhibit your flourishing or the flourishing of somebody else. Focus on flourishing. 
Anthony A. Dix, leader of leaders. Thank you for being our guest today on the Nonprofit Exchange. Thank you for having me. It's been quite a pleasure. Thank you, Hugh. Thank you for listening to the Nonprofit Exchange. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.